Hey everyone, it's Father Pat, here today to offer you my reflections on the scripture readings for today. Our readings today are from the 23rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. A reading from the Book of Wisdom. Who can know God's counsel, or who can conceive what the Lord intends? For the deliberations of mortals are timid, and unsure are our plans. For the corruptible body burdens the soul, and the earthen shelter weighs down the mind that has many concerns. And scarce do we guess the things on earth, and what is within our grasp we find with difficulty. But when things are in heaven, who can search them out? Or whoever knew your counsel except you had given wisdom and sent your Holy Spirit from on high? And thus were the paths of those on earth made straight. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our response, in every age, O Lord, you have been our refuge. In every age, O Lord, you have been our refuge. You turn man back to dust, saying, return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are as yesterday, now that it is past, or as a watch of the night. In every age, O Lord, you have been our refuge. You make an end of them in their sleep. The next morning they are like the changing grass, which at dawn springs up anew, but by evening wilts and fades. In every age, O Lord, you have been our refuge. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain wisdom of heart. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. In every age, O Lord, you have been our refuge. Fill us at daybreak with your kindness, that we may shout for joy and gladness all our days. And may the gracious care of the Lord our God be ours. Prosper the work of our hands for us. Prosper the work of our hands. In every age, O Lord, you have been our refuge. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to Philemon. I, Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for Christ Jesus, urge you on behalf of my child Onesimus, whose father I have become in my imprisonment. I am sending him, that is, my own heart, back to you. I should have liked to retain him for myself so that he might serve me on your behalf in my imprisonment for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that the good you might do might not be forced, but voluntary. Perhaps this is why he was away from you for a while. You may have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a brother, beloved especially to me, but even more so to you, as a man and in the Lord. So, if you regard me as a partner, welcome him as you would me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you wishing to construct a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there is enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlooker should laugh at him and say, this one began to build, but did not have the resources to finish. Or what king marching into battle would not first sit down and decide whether with 10,000 troops he can successfully oppose another thing advancing upon him with 20,000 troops? 
But if not, while he is far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It's fair to say that Shia LaBeouf is known almost as well for his bad behavior as his acting skill. He began his performance career at the age of 10, doing stand-up comedy uh, in clubs with material that LaBeouf himself describes as disgustingly dirty. As a teen, he began it became famous for a role he played on a Disney Channel series that earned him a daytime Emmy and was a launching point to a more serious acting career. LaBeouf is recognized for his fine acting and his creative talents, but he also has been arrested multiple, on multiple occasions, accused of sexual abuse by a former girlfriend, and fired from uh, several roles due to, due to his alcohol abuse and his erratic behavior. So when I found out that he's playing the title role in a, 20, a 2022 feature film about the life of Padre Pio, I was understandably shocked. He recently was interviewed by Bishop Robert Barron for Word on Fire Ministries, and LaBeouf discusses how playing the saintly Capuchin friar was a conversion experience for him. He admitted to Barron that as he began the project, he found himself in a, in, a, in a very dark place, desperate to resurrect his career and his personal reputation, even contemplating suicide. As he immersed himself in the life of Padre Pio, though, LaBeouf discovered how emotional the priest became when, when celebrating Mass. And that led LaBeouf himself to explore the mystery of the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. LaBeouf was not raised with any real faith, although he was bar mitzvahed um, at 13 to please his Jewish grandmother. Although it's unclear uh, if LaBeouf is now formally a Catholic, he's clearly drawn to the sacraments, especially the Eucharist. The actor uh, seems sincere in his claim that Padre Pio has changed the direction of his life. I suspect the actor doesn't completely yet understand what Christian discipleship is going to demand of him. But what he has realized, and this is critical, is that he is not in control of his life, and he doesn't have all the answers, and so he has to seek God. It's that very lesson that we hear in our first reading from the Book of Wisdom, a short passage with a powerful punch. He says, the author says, and scarce do we guess the things on earth and what is within our grasp we find with difficulty. But when things are in heaven, who can search them out? You know, when you're young, you, you think you know everything, even as even though you're in school and pursuing knowledge, which is kind of ironic, right? And then as you mature, you realize there, that there's so much you don't know and will never know. The author tells us, though, that the paths of those on earth are made straight when we access the wisdom of God through the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way to the knowledge and peace that we seek. I invite you to uh, view or hear today's gospel passage in a, in a different way. The, the, our, our passage today begins with a statement that sounds pretty innocuous, right? It says, great crowds are traveling with Jesus, and he turned and addressed them. Okay, great crowds traveling with Jesus. He's going to talk. What did Jesus think about the crowds, though? The Gospels tell us that sometimes, at least, they were overwhelming for Jesus, and he snuck away early in the morning to pray. But I also think they troubled him. In Mark's Gospel especially, he instructs those who have witnessed miracles not to tell anyone about them. 
In John's gospel, after the feeding of the 5,000, he accuses the crowd of following him because he fills their bellies. I mean, they're there for a meal, right? Might as well follow the guy if he's going to feed us. And it's fair to say that Jesus was concerned that those who followed him really don't understand who they are following or what being a disciple is going to require of them. So imagine Jesus speaking in today's gospel in a voice that reveals a little bit of that frustration. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Yikes. When you hear those words, they probably go in one ear and out the other, but that's not, that's not how the crowds reacted, most likely. There were probably some audible gasps in that crowd. People turned to each other with looks of shock on their faces. What had been, to that point, for some, a little like a Woodstock event, suddenly, suddenly becomes heavy, man, just heavy, you know? Jesus senses that a lot of those following him are just looking for some excitement, a free meal, maybe a little hope that this guy can stick it to the Romans once and for all. Jesus is trying to wake them up. You really want to follow me? Do you know what that means? It could mean leaving behind your family and friends. It means a radical change in life. Radical change in your life. It, mean, it means sacrifice. And this statement about carrying a cross? Remember, nobody has any idea at this point that Jesus is eventually going to be crucified, the most humiliating punishment in the Roman justice system. No one in the crowd thought they were signing up for crucifixion. I can tell you that. Jesus then goes on to share two parables, one about a guy building a tower and the other about a king going into battle. It would be stupid for a builder to start construction without being sure he has the materials to complete the project, right? And no king would go into battle with an army that was clearly overmatched by its opponent. You got to realize when you don't have what it takes. And then Jesus concludes, in the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. So Jesus is delivering a clear message to the people there. You're not equipped. You're like the, you're like the builder without enough to complete the tower. You're like the, the king that has a, a too small of an army to win. You're missing something. And finding that something, which is God's wisdom, first involves breaking free from anyone or anything that keeps you from unreservedly following the way that I'm going to show you. In John's gospel, Jesus prays for those of us who will finally figure it out. He says to his father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world any more than I belong to the world. Consecrate them in the truth. Your word is truth. Authentic disciples of Jesus remain engaged in the world while not being of the world. Then they will understand the truth, which is obtained not by human effort, remember our first reading, but as a gift of the Holy Spirit to those who have emptied themselves enough to receive it. What's that mean for you? Well, I can't tell you that, actually. But what I can tell you is what it meant for a disciple named Philemon. Our second reading is from a letter St. Paul wrote to a wealthy young merchant whom he met and converted to Christianity while he was passing through Colossae the city of Colossae, the letter to the Colossians. Right? Earlier in this letter, Paul praises Philemon for his faithfulness and 
you know, his goodness, his, his good Christian life. And, and apparently uh, Philemon has a large enough house that the local church meets there for the Eucharist and, and for fellowship, I guess. At some point during his journeys, Paul runs into this guy named Onesimus, one of Philemon's slaves who apparently stole from him and then escaped. While on the run, Onesimus meets Paul and becomes a Christian. Onesimus apparently wants a fresh start, and Paul urges Philemon to welcome him back, not as a slave, but as a brother. Now, from a worldly perspective, that's asking a lot. Onesimus is legally Philemon's property and is a criminal. But Paul challenges Philemon to take the next step in his journey of discipleship and to leave behind the world's justice for the divine version, the perfect version of justice. To be in the world, but not of the world any longer. To place just one brick in the tower of the new heaven and earth that Jesus dies to build. In his conversation with Bishop Barron, Shia LaBeouf discussed other figures that have also influenced this latest leg of his spiritual journey. One is the late Capuchin friar, Brother Jim Townsend. I had never heard of Townsend before, but apparently he's he's, uh, pretty notable. He was born the eldest of five children in Bristol, Pennsylvania, actually not far from where I grew up, to a chronically ill mother and a father who showed uh, Jim little attention as he attempted to raise five children mostly on his own. So, Young Jim spent much of his uh, early youth in trouble, and he was sent to a reform school at eight years old. By 12 years old, his mother was dead, and his father sent Jim to an orphanage, but he was expelled from the orphanage for stealing. At age 14, at the outset of World War II, Jim enlisted in the Marines, age 14, (laughs) with the help of his father, who gladly lied about the kid's age to get his son out of the house. He was court-martialed for hitting an officer during training and later was sent to a juvenile prison for assault battery and the attempted rape of a young girl. Upon his release from uh, juvenile detention, he moved to Pittsburgh, got a job, and met his future wife. Jim, who is by now an alcoholic with uncontrolled anger issues, was not a good husband. Surprise, surprise. At age 19, Jim murdered his wife, who was then pregnant with twins in a drink-fueled rage. He was sentenced to life in prison. While he was there, he met a Franciscan priest who convinced him of God's love and mercy and helped Jim work through his many, many wounds. After 20 years, Jim was released for good behavior, and he, and he stayed close to the Franciscans. And after what I'm sure was a very, very cautious discernment process, the Capuchins accepted him. He was a friar for the remaining 40 years of his life, working various blue-collar positions with them, basically doing jobs that most most of the friars didn't want to do, including a job as a maintenance man at a Catholic high school, where he was known by the students for his patience and his kindness. He also returned often to his former prison to speak to the inmates and even assist in giving them retreats. Jim became, Jim became a man of intense prayer who loved to tell stories about his life, which didn't need to be embellished one bit to mesmerize his listeners, whether it be an innocent high school student or a convicted murderer. Hearing the stories of Townsend or LaBeouf, maybe you're both amazed and relieved. After all, you don't have nearly as far to go in your spiritual conversion, so it should be much easier for you, right? To the contrary, I think your journey might be harder. Many people have told both LaBeouf and Townsend in their lives that they needed to change their ways and accept the Lord to find happiness. To continue down the roads they were traveling would bring certain death, both spiritually and perhaps physically. But few people are going to say the same to you. 
You're one of the good guys or the good gals. You're Philemon, the model Christian, at least the part of you that most people see. The chains, the chains that keep you a slave to this world are accepted and even encouraged by today's culture. But those things, or at least some of them, are holding you captive. You are like the tower builder or the king, respected by many, but you don't have quite what it takes to be a disciple, not yet. You have to empty yourself, leave those things behind to make room for the Holy Spirit who will make you truly wise. Perhaps only you, through honesty and prayer, can identify exactly what those things are. And only then can we join together in building that tower to the kingdom of God. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Have a great day.